go to a psalm like 19, and what does it say? Man, creation is just always speaking forth and shouting out the glory of God, right? It's not all of God's revelation, but God certainly reveals himself, and Scripture says he reveals himself in the wonders and the handiwork of what he's made around us. The beauty of a mountain stream, looking out the stars and just considering and pondering the vastness of space, just looking at your human body and how it functions and how it operates and how it thinks and wow, there's a creator. There's one that made this for his purposes and for his glory. And as a result, we look at that and we stand in awe and say, wow, we worship you. And there's also something about the animal kingdom uh, that just, you look at certain animals and you think, wow, Lord, you're wonderful. And also, wow, you have a sense of humor. All right? And I want to show you one of these, the three-toed sloth. You talk about an animal that is different. You zoologists out there, I'm going to explain a few things about the three-toed sloth, and we will get to spiritual truth eventually, okay? But we're going to start with the three-toed sloth, and, uh, and I, I just got looking at that and thought, wow, God's creativity, his humor in the three-toed sloth. This animal, if you know anything about sloths, or if you got educated on Zootopia during that scene at the DMV, right? They have an extremely low metabolism. In fact, they have the slowest digestive system, okay, in all the animal kingdom as far as mammals are concerned. It takes two weeks for them to digest one meal, two weeks. And with all this slow metabolism that goes on, they compensate this by a very slow process. They do less, much less than the average mammal. Lethargy is their middle name. So their entire lifestyle is based on expending as little energy as possible. That's the way they operate, all right? They move at a very sluggish pace. Uh, statistics say the ones that know better than I, an average, the average movement of a slug per, or a sloth per day is 41 yards, okay? I mean, that's like from here to the exit, okay, of the auditorium we're in. That's, that's how far they go per day. I don't know if you want to venture how much they sleep a day, but they say an average of 15 hours of sleep a day. Not bad. Keeping up with some of you guys, right? I mean, it's right, right there. The majority of their time, they're in the trees. They're eating, right? Eating foliage. They come down once a week to the ground, okay? And that's to relieve themselves. And then back up they go, up the tree. Next week, maybe it's about seven days. By the time they get up there, it's time to come back down, right? And relieve themselves. Back up they go. Slow, slow, slow. Of course, you can imagine going down to the ground and meeting a predator, I mean, they could basically get up and say, hmm, hi, and it's, it's over, right? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> no defense. So they're safer to be motionless and up in the trees, chilling. And if you, if, I, I like this picture of the sloth as well. Man, that, that's chilling, right? I mean, that's, that's the sloth. That's his life. He's just sitting, he's chilling, he's eating, he relieves himself, and he just keeps going over and over and over. Very slow. 
we don't want to go to take this too far, but I saw the sloth calendar, okay, for 2020. And you can literally buy this in the Sloth Appreciation Society's webpage, okay? So if you go there, of course, we're in March already, so it's 50% off now. For $750, okay, and giving away your email to 1,000 other emails that will follow it, so be careful, right? But uh, some pretty interesting things. Sloths. Sloths. Well, today, there is a spiritual tone and a place we're getting to here. We're going to look more specifically at the sin of sloth, the sin of sloth, what God has to say from Proverbs about what he calls the sluggard, and then getting some lessons from the ant. And if we wanted to be more specific on really what we want to accomplish today, if we want to crystallize, we want to really focus on it, this is what we're going to do. We're going to identify my own lazy attitudes and habits and address it with God's remedy of work. That's our purpose today. Let's go to the scriptures. We're going to specifically camping out primarily at Proverbs. And what we're going to want to do, this is our goal. Look at the goal, okay? It's not just to write down. It's not just to think about. But it's something to take and say, okay, identify my own lazy attitudes. I'm not going to accomplish what needs to be done here unless you're doing this, okay? Identifying my own lazy attitudes and habits and not just keeping it there where I identify that, but then take the word of God and say, okay, what's your remedy? And we'll see here it's the remedy that God provides in Proverbs is work. Okay, identify the problem and address it with God's solution. The sluggard. <clears throat> the sluggard. Not a real complementary term to use to call somebody, right? To, to label them. But that's exactly what Scripture does. The Scripture labels certain people sluggards. I mean, you can, can you imagine carrying that label? I mean, if I had 10 people standing before me, and it's like, oh, servant, oh, singer, oh, teacher, oh, sluggard, right? I mean, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, it's not one of those things where it's kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm proud to wear this, right? It's not something we want to associate ourselves with particularly, is it? Not complimentary. In fact, it sounds demeaning. In fact, if you, if you think of certain synonyms, you think of lazy, slacker, worthless, freeloader, right? Idle, I-D-L-E, idle, lethargic. And perhaps it conjures up pictures in your mind. You know, just asking for a, a handout, a freeloader, entitlement mentality. You know, someone that can't hold a job for more than two days. And perhaps some of those depictions are accurate and true, and there's certainly more. But soft slothfulness, if we're not careful, um, my heart tends to look at things that um, are not complimentary and assume it doesn't apply to me. Are you like that too? We look to the word and say, well, wow, that's, that's a pretty awful label to have. That's surely somebody else. And we think of the worst case scenarios where the sloth and the sluggard um, are living out in a very clear way these particular sins and then forget the whole point of what God wants to do in our own heart. And it speaks to sin's deceitfulness, right? That this isn't about me, it's certainly somebody else. And we, we need God's revelation to unveil this deceitfulness today and to really pinpoint areas in your life, no matter how busy 
or not busy you are to identify this particular sin of sloth. With that in mind, turn to Proverbs 24. We'll start there. Chapter 24 of Proverbs. And let's just look at a particular passage. I also have it up in, um, in front of you here on the screen. Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34. And here, uh, Solomon uh, describes an incident where he's walking by the field, a vineyard, that is a visual display of a sluggard's handiwork. And he makes some observations. Let's see what he has to say. Let's frame up our our day-to-day today with this uh, passage. He says in verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with horns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Pay attention to verse 32 here. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. I mean, you look at that passage there, and the first thing you see is there's a vineyard as Solomon's walking past. And the idea here is a vineyard that was given to an individual, and it happened to be given to a sluggard. And that became evident when it was when the vineyard was seen for what it was. It was trashed. It was overgrown. It wasn't cared for. You could tell someone had this, which was once a, a vineyard producing fruit and was bountiful and, 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 and just had a benefit for the owners and probably others around, and now it's this eyesore. It's something that's not producing anything. And, and, and Solomon comes to the conclusion, this is the field of a sluggard, overgrown, covered with nettles, Stone wall broken down. And what's important here in verse 32, he saw and considered it, I looked and I received instruction. This is our point here. This is what the point I'm trying to make in our introduction is don't assume it applies to somebody else. What did Solomon do? He looked and he said, I received instruction. I got something from this. This isn't just something for somebody else. This isn't a lesson that just applies to those lazy people that, that sleep on a park bench. God has instruction for you today. And he saw and he he considered it. I looked and I received instruction. The takeaway here is we have to look on the field of farmer sloth through the lens of God's word today and receive instruction. Addressing sin. This lesson is so important for you guys. Um, I look, and you guys are a lot younger than this guy standing up here, okay? Um, this isn't real hair, by the way. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've been, college is a long ways away from me, uh, those days. And I look at you, and I, I, I transport myself back, and I think, wow, how little I knew and what I wish I knew when I was your age. And now I can look from this side towards you and say, these are things you need to know. Um, you have to receive instruction like Solomon is saying here, or you're going to miss the point. And 
What's important is this field met its decay, it met its demise, as you see there in verse 33 and 34, step by step, inch by inch, decision by decision, moment by moment. Look at that. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And what happens? Before you know it, when you come to your senses or you look and see what's happened to this person's life, and it all comes crashing down like a robber who's unexpected. That's not the way to live a life well lived. So what do we do? We identify sins at their infancy. We address them when you're young. And you learn to pave a path of godly living that reaps its rewards in due time. Okay? So what are we looking at here? What is the sluggard? Let's just boil it down to a definition here for you guys. It's a lazy person who works to avoid work in order to protect a comfortable lifestyle and evade what truly needs to be done. You get that? He works to avoid work. I mean, you think about a thief, right? Uh, a thief is working. <laughs> he, he, he's employed. Uh, it's for his own purposes, right? What is he doing? He's working to avoid real work, right? I'm going to take someone else what they've worked for and take their things, but he's working to avoid work to protect a particular lifestyle, right? And for the sluggard, that lifestyle is a comfortable lifestyle and evading, avoiding what, what truly uh, needs to be done, okay? There's always a shortcut for the sluggard. The commute of the sluggard is always traveled on the path of least resistance. There's never a need to swim against the current. Get this, comfort is king for the sluggard. It's all about protecting their comfort. It's that attitude, it'll all work out. There's always tomorrow. Now I wanna be careful here. We are not saying that every comfort is wrong and sinful. In fact, God gives us good things for us to enjoy. What we're talking about here is the idolatry of comfort, where I organize and structure my life in such a way where comfort calls the shots. It's not God. It's not his word. It's not my conscience. It all works around protecting comfort and what I consider important here in my life, what I consider important, rather what God says. Okay, So we're focusing on the idol of comfort and laziness here, okay? So with that, what we're going to do is look at six characteristics of the sluggard. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6 in your Bibles there. I'm sorry, go to Proverbs 26. Go to Proverbs chapter 26, and we're going to start there. We'll get several of our points from Proverbs 26 and then jump around a little bit. But what are the characteristics of the sluggard? How do I know? Am I sluggardly in some way? Is there some way I've, I've got sin of sloth? Um, you know, how, how, do I, how do I nail this down? I, I, I know I, my, my work ethic can improve. I, I know sometimes I don't do really what I should be doing when I should be doing it, but how do I nail it down? How do I pinpoint it? What do I, how do I put the flashlight or the, the, the spotlight on what I need to focus on here? And, and the scriptures do that for us. And let's look at uh, Proverbs 26. Let's start at verse 13 and start looking at some of these. And the first one, the first characteristic of the sluggard is lame excuses to avoid work. Lame excuses to avoid work. And as, as we're reading these Proverbs, you're going to see, wow, some of these, some of these descriptions are out, you know, 
well, first of all, they're funny, but they're just outlandish. They're, they're, they just border on the ridiculous. And what we'll see here is God is, 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 is shaming, okay? Solomon, in these words here, through the inspiration of the Spirit, is, 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 is shaming the sluggard and the choices and the attitudes that they have. And they, he does it in just outlandish statements. So here we go. Proverbs 26, 13, the sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. What's the sluggard doing here? Just over-the-top excuses for the purpose of avoiding responsibility. You know, what he does here is he, he paints this worst-case scenario of something. It's not true. There's not a line in the streets. But the sky is falling kind of mentality. So I need to stay inside and not go out there because there's a lion in the streets. In other words, the, 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 the insinuation here is this person is able to go outside, but going outside means he, has, he would have to face the day. He'd have to face responsibility. There's things to be done, and I would prefer to have this excuse and protect the comforts that I have in the confines of my home. It's lame because the sluggard is able to work, but he chooses not to. And he throws out excuses to keep him from doing that. In my former church, the former church Christy and I went to uh, in Columbus, we came from Ohio, and we were in Columbus, Ohio. And like any church there as well, uh, here as well, um, you know, there's a number of people that come to the church requesting financial help. And you'll find out in the life of a church that many of those requests are legitimate needs, and we're here to help meet those needs in a godly, God-honoring way. And there's others uh, that you, if you, as you learn to be discerning, that um, are really more the sloth. There's the line in the street kind of mentality, and I want you to support the lifestyle and the comfort that I've set up in my life, and, uh, and the church is the first place to kind of go to to get some of that funding, right? And uh, I, I learned a lot from my pastor there. Um, you know, he, was bibl- he had a biblical view of work. If a man does not work, he shall not eat, as, as Paul instructs us in the New Testament. And rather than just, you know, just handing out money left and right, which you could run, you could run, you could run the uh, the treasury drive real quick uh, if uh, if you hand it out to every request. So this is what he would do. He would say, I, I'm, "I'm glad to meet you. It's great you have this need. I want to help meet that. Um, how about this? If I, I've got this chore outside that needs to be done on the property, there's always something that needs to be done, right? Uh, here's a shovel, or here's a ladder, or here's a paintbrush." Uh, and I'll, I'll gladly have you over uh, for a meal uh, if you, when, when you get this task done. Well, as you can imagine, many of those requests, most of them, were declined, right? It's usually the back. was usually the one. My back hurts. My back has pain. I can't get on a ladder. I can't do the physical work. And I would say there's probably some cases where that was true. Um, but my pastor, being wise, said, oh, oh, okay, well, I've got some office work for you, okay? And then he would lead them over in the office to the copying machine or stapling some things or getting the church bulletin ready, right? But, uh, but that ready answer of the back, which was really a common one, uh, all of a sudden got met with another opportunity where they could work and still have something that would meet their need. And I would venture to say most of those were 
declined as well. Why? Because there's a line in the streets. I can't do this. I can't do that. Because, 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 because. The sluggard has an excuse to get out of work. First application point for you. What excuses do I use not to work? What are the lame things I bring up, right? You might not call them lame, but you might need to call them lame. And yes, we can't say, we can't do everything we're asked to do, and you can't do every opportunity that's out there. I mean, you look at Liberty University or things at the church here, and there's a myriad of things you can get involved in. You can't do them all. But ask yourself, do I find myself protecting my conveniences and my comforts more than I should? And the line in the streets mentality is what I use as my trump card to get out of things I probably should be doing. Six characteristics of the slugger. Let's look at number two, the love of sleep in an activity. That's not a surprise, is it, for a lazy person or somebody struggling with work? And look there at verse 14 of chapter 26. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Wow. Uh, I mean, think about the picture here. I mean, if you think, of, look, at a, look at a door over here that's attached to the wall, and it just will creak back and forth on a single axis, right? But it's pinned to the wall. It doesn't move from that location. And you're just taking that door and putting it in a horizontal position on the bed, and there you go. The sluggard is pinned to the bed, okay? And, uh, you know, again here, let's, let's, let's think through this properly. Everybody needs sleep. God's designed sleep. You need rest. This isn't saying that whenever I choose to sleep in on a given day, that that's necessarily sinful. You may very well need that rest. What it's talking about here, though, is a, 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 a habit, a habitual habit of sleep. That is there to, that is performed to avoid what needs to be done. In other words, if I get up and I go, I then have to face responsibility. I would rather have the creature comforts of bed than get out and do what I need to do. Habitual laziness. If you put that in today's vernacular, we'll just call it the couch potato, right? The couch potato. I mean, once you park it, and you bring up that recliner, it's over, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm in for the evening, right? And the sluggard is in for the evening with that you know, recliner all the time, right? And it's channel surfing. It's mind-numbing social media. It's inordinate amounts of gaming. Guys, there's so many things you could apply this to where we're just doing meaningless, mind-numbing activity where in and of themselves those activities aren't sinful, but a lifestyle that protects that and keeps you from doing the things you should be doing, it's just out of control. And it is for the sluggard. It's a way of life. And everything is done to protect that in order to enjoy the comforts uh, day to day. And what we will find out if we continue to do that is we start betraying the commands of God that we just center our lives around him and around other people. It all becomes about ourselves. Let's look at characteristic number three. Too lazy to finish what is started. Look there at verse 15. Too lazy to finish what is started. 
The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. What a crazy picture of the sluggard. I mean, picture this. He has a plate of food before him, or he's going down the line at CeCe's Pizza, right? And he sees the pepperoni pizza in front of him. And he goes down to grab that nice-looking, cheesy, greasy piece of pizza, right, that we all love. And he gets that, and he gets his hand on it, but he just, he's got to work against gravity. He can't get that hand back to his mouth, right? And it looks so good, and he's got a hand on it. And people are passing by him, but he just can't get it up to where it counts where he can really enjoy it. He can't get it to his mouth. Outlandish, right? The most basic of tasks, in other words, become a cumbersome chore. You know, the sight of food, it gives initial interest. There's, there's profit in something, right? It's like, it's like looking at that, that vineyard that Sluggard had. Oh, look at these wonderful grapes. And, uh, but, wow, to have enjoyment for that the next year, I can't just grab. I have to work the ground, right? I have to, some, I have to do something and be productive in order to have gain from it. And I think a takeaway we can use here is it's so easy to start something and, and, and see enjoyment that can come from it, but it's another thing to finish it. So many of the things we start, we rarely finish, do we? Um, and, you know, you, we're not saying here everything you put your hand to, you must complete it or you're, you're, out, you know, you're just out of the grace of God. We're not, we're not saying that, but as a way of life, it's so easy to start and not finish because it requires a certain amount of effort and work and getting through adversity, that if we don't learn how to do that, you won't be a productive worker. You'll be more the sluggard than a productive worker. At, at work uh, in the professional environment, I'm, I'm an engineer by day. Um, I try to be. And my, my work, my corporation I'm, I'm part of, uh, we have annual work goals. And we just set our... 2020 goals, and we establish those. And guess what the expectation is when I meet with my manager at the end of the year? Hey, great job starting those goals, Rich. Let's get on to next year now. Uh, <laughs> no. How did you do with those goals? Uh, did you complete those goals? What are the results you can show me from setting those goals, right? We have agreed to them at the start of the year, and the expectation when you start them is that you finish them by year end. And in fact, it's even better if you kind of give progress updates along the way. It's like the steward, right? The faithful steward, the parable of the talents, right? Here's an expectation. Here's something you have, and now you're responsible to, to do something with it. And the sluggard starts, but he can't finish. He can't finish. Um, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes a different kind of planning to do that. Let's keep moving along here. Six characteristics of the sluggard. Number four, self-deception. Look at verse 16. This is I've read, when I read different commentaries, this is one of the ones that they, you know, others feel is the most dangerous of the sluggard. It says, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The greatest nemesis here of the sluggard is he just thinks too much about himself. I'm okay. It's the way I chose to do life. This is my speed. I'm in first gear. And, uh, and there's no getting me out of it, and it works for me. Well, it works for you is fine, but this works for me. He's satisfied. He's apathetic. Um, working harder, doing things your way, you know, that, yeah, I don't need that. This works for me. So there's a cluelessness and a 
in a, a, a putting up a, a blinder as to what's going on, and they deceive themselves, and the things are okay when they're really not. Look at number five here, and you'll need to jump to Proverbs chapter 10 if you want to see this one, Proverbs 10, 26. But the sluggard is an irritation to those who depend on him. He's an irritation to those who depend on him. Proverbs 10, 26 says this, Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke in the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Wow. Now, I can admit, I, I, Christy, uh, my wife Christy, she cooks with vinegar, but I can't say I've ever taken a bottle or just taken a swig. Uh, there's probably some health benefits to that, and if there is, you can tell me about that later. Uh, but I've not done that. But smoke in the eyes, I have experienced, you know. Whether I'm roasting a hot dog or getting a s'more going, and all of a sudden the wind changes direction, and boom, you get it right in the eyes, right? And what is the first thing you want to do? I mean, you just don't stand there and just kind of like, oh, the smoke is going my direction, wide-eyed, right? I mean, you close your eyes, you turn away, and it's like, oh, Lord, turn the, turn the wind another direction here. <laughs> or you move, right? It's an irritation. You have to do something. It gets under your skin, so to speak, and right in the eyes. And that's the, the perception, the reaction to a slugger, to others that are around on him, to those who depend on him. Employers want busy-minded people. You don't hire someone knowing they're sluggard or lazy in their work. Why? Because slothfulness gets in the way of progress. It's a distraction. It's a bad influence. Um, if you want to grow in your sanctification as a believer, get, get a job in a fast food restaurant, right? And you learn to work in ways and with people uh, in ways that you wouldn't do unless you were told to do it and you were paid for it, right? And uh, that helped get me through college in, in those experiences. But there was, God was working on me, teaching me. But I found out not everyone has an interest to work like I was told to, like, from my mom, right? And, uh, you know, it's just whenever there's a lull in work, there's, there's certain people that just disappear. And they're on, uh, you know, smoke break number 12 in, in this first hour of, this, of the day, right? And, uh, and then all of a sudden more customers come in, and it's like, well, where's Joe? Where's Joe? And we have to go out back. Come on, Joe. We need you, Joe. And, uh, and, and we're always looking for Joe. Where's Joe? Uh, it's this, it's, you know, you need someone to kind of always be kind of hurting these folks to come and work. It's an irritation. Sluggardliness is, and it not just affects you personally, but it affects others as well. And let's just go to that last one here. Six characteristics of the sluggard. Turn to Proverbs 13.4. The point we're going to take away here is the sluggard is harmed when desires are not fulfilled through work. Harmed when desires are not fulfilled through work. It says there in verse 25 of Proverbs, whoops, I'm at Pro, Proverbs 13.4. I'm not sure that's the one I wanted. I want you to read Proverbs 21, 25 through 26. Turn over there if you would. Proverbs 21, 25 through 26. And it says this, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him. For his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Now I want you to notice here, um, desires, desires, desires. We have desires, a sluggard has desires. And what I want to focus on is this last part of the verse, the desire of the sluggard kills him, but what's the issue? It's not necessarily the desire, it's that his hands 
refuse to fulfill the desire. Will a slugger get hungry just like a, a good worker would be hungry? Absolutely. But there's a, pro, there's, there's a difference here. The, 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 the industrious person will work in order to feed themselves, where a slugger just can't get themselves to do that. They refuse. They crave and crave and crave. Desires, desires, desires come, but they can't be fulfilled, and it leads to their ruin. It affects them profoundly. And when work is not employed, it's not used to meet needs, the sin of idleness starts coming out in profound, profound ways. Other sins. You know, remember, the thief should no longer steal, right, but work with his hands. What are we saying? If we're not going to work with our hands, we still crave, we still desire, we still have needs. So what do we do? We find other ways. We sit in other ways to meet that desire, whether I'm going to steal from somebody or freeload. Um, you know, the, the, the sin of idleness just leads to other issues in life. And if a man does not work, he shall not eat. Is God IDing something for you today? Look at those characteristics. Lame excuses, love of sleep, can't finish what I've started, I'm deceiving myself, I think more highly than I should, I irritate others I work with, I'm not a good worker, don't have a good work ethic, I'm, uh, I, I, I found the harms when I don't work like I should. If God's pinpointing some attitudes, good. Because you know what? When God pinpoints sin in our lives or sinful tendencies, he always gives a solution. All the time. Every time. He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't leave us on, uh, on a, off a cliff with no rope and we just kind of like we're there to fall. He always provides a way of escape and he always provides instruction. And the way he provides instruction to the sluggard is he shows us the work of the ant. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6, okay? What does God want me to do? If God's zeroing in on something, if there's something that isn't right, if there's something that needs correction, if there's something that needs to be tweaked, if there's something I have to totally change in my life, what is God saying here? He's saying, sluggard, I want you to go to the ant. Verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard, Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O slugger? These verses sound familiar now, don't they? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Four lessons here we're going to look at that ants teach the sluggard and things we have to look at ourselves. And let's start right here in verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And our first point is this. Look outside yourself for a proper work ethic. Look outside yourself. He says, go to the ant and look, look, observe, Right? There's something about watching ants that is really quite amazing. Now, when I was a boy, I also had a magnifying glass in my hands on a sunny day, and we won't go into that. But, uh, you know, but watching them work is amazing. Uh, one of my fun toys growing up was the ant farm. Okay, who had an ant farm? Anybody? 
Nobody? Okay, a few of you guys did, yes. They're still available on Amazon, $12.95, I think they are, yes. You could have that by Tuesday. Um, but you gotta buy the ants as well. They come in a little vial, so they're... Yeah, so you, you, you get the ant farm, you fill it with sand, you put the ants in, and you watch them go. You know, they're not chilling for a while, having meetings, you know, board meetings and things. What do we do? How do we do that? You know, and, you know, maybe a month later, they kind of get things going. Man, they just, they're off to the races. And as soon as they wake up from their trip out of the vial there, from wherever they come from, they go in there, they start their work. And, man, these guys are picking up boulders and moving around. They're tunneling, and they're going everywhere. Even when an ant dies, okay, you see them pick them up, and they put them all in a pile on the other side of the ant farm, right? I mean, they're just working, 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 working. Industrious. And what's Solomon telling the one that's got lazy attitudes, that's slothful in their work? Look to someone outside yourself that has the right work ethic. When I was a young engineer, long time ago, we're talking over 30 years ago, folks, um, and I was young. I was learning how to work. I had the education, and now I'm learning the ropes of how to use it in this electronics factory, okay? And I'm an engineer supporting the shop floor. It's late in the day, and we get uh, a call from the shop that they got this problem. What's well, my job, as well as some of the other engineers, to go solve those problems. But it's late in the day, man. The second shift's getting ready to start. In fact, the second shift had already started. And uh, I'm thinking, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I put in a long day, and I'm hungry, right? And I'm, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to pack it. This, this guy next to me, I'll call him a mentor because he, he was probably like my age right now. And he said, come on, Rich. He grabs me by the arm. Let's solve this thing. Let's go down there. Let's get it done. And I'm thinking, I felt like pulling my arm away. Like, no. I mean, uh, I, I had other plans here. Uh, and he took me. We went down there. We knocked out that job, we figured it out, it took us a little longer and we stayed longer than I had planned. But I'll tell you what, I still go back to that incident over 30 years ago in my daily work, I really do. My tendency is to slough off and to um, cut the day and just leave things undone because I've had enough. And, yeah, we have long days. There's times you can't button it all up. I understand that. But there's this, there's this way of working this guy showed me that was instructive to me. Um, and I needed it. I had, a, I had a slothful tendency there. I considered myself a good worker, but he exposed something that I saw in the way he worked and reacted in a situation where I would have reacted totally different. And was I committing the unpardonable sin if I went home and just did it the next day? No. What we're talking about is, is working God's way, right? It's a way of life. It's an approach to things that's different than the sloth. And God identified a slothful attitude by this engineer. By the way, his name was Tank Hurley, and he was built like a tank. And I'll never forget this guy, Little Rich and Big Tank. And we would go down there, and we were like the dynamic duo, man, knocking out problems. Uh, it was the way it was done, and he taught me how to do it. Look outside yourself. You need better study habits? Start attaching to people and observe. You want to learn how to serve in the church. Attach your people that, to people that serve. I don't use many names when we, we talk about things like this, but I'll just tell you, if you want to shadow somebody, go shadow Harold Nash. You want to learn how to serve. Follow that man. 
I don't know how old, how old Harold is, so don't tell him this, but I think he's probably around that 80-year-old time frame. You talk about a deacon. You, the enjoyment you have in here right now is because of Harold. He's the first one here. He unlocks every door. He makes sure our coffee pot is um, plugged in. He works around the whole buildings. Um, he's, he's the first one. He makes sure it's done. And it's never a show. It's all about serving others. Um, wow. I want to be Harold. I want to be a guy like that. But you know what? I, I learn that when I watch other people. Watch people that do it well. Attach yourself to mentors, to those that can help guide you and teach you along the way. All right? Let's go to number two here. Learn to do work that is self-directed. Self-directed. Okay? Look at verse 7. Proverbs 6. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares. No one to watch over her, and she does her work. Now, this is not saying bosses are wrong. That's wrong to have authority. We need structure. We need those things. They're proper. They're biblical. But what is the saying here? I don't need someone watching over my shoulder 24-7 to get done what needs to be done. I'm self-directed. I can self-manage. I can motivate myself to do what needs to, my, that needs to be done. I take initiative. I seek problems. I don't run from them. I don't always wait to be told what to do. You talk about a picture that speaks a thousand words. There you go. It's the epitome of slothfulness, right? Ah, that can be done later, right? And if you were back home, mom and dad would be saying, what are you doing? And the bed that's not made, and the cat five, you know, hurricane that went through the room, the things we just kind of let go because we're not told. And in the right environment, we'll get it done. Learn to tackle things, all right, that you just kind of tend to save for later until someone tells you and learn to manage them now. Take initiative. Work on it. Don't wait for someone to always tell you. Don't get sucked into this entitlement mentality, okay? Number three, pursue an approach to life that is diligent. Pursue an approach to life that is diligent. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. A good work ethic, right? Work ethic. Work at it. She works all through the beginning of the, the season where things are prepared and all the way till harvest, right? She carries through in her work. It's an approach to life that's diligent. It's not slothful. It's not lazy. You might be thinking, well, I don't have trouble with slothfulness. I am so crazy busy. Uh, slothfulness is the last thing. That's a problem I'm on my radar. And, you know, I thought uh, this author here put a good perspective on busyness that can be a cover for slothfulness, okay? The slothful zombie may live a very busy life, but he does just enough to get things done so he can get back to what? Enjoying his comforts, right? Comfort is king for the sluggard. Duties are what he performs, but comfort is what he craves. The zombie lives his routine in a fog, sleepwalking between weekends. It's that TGIF mentality for life, right? Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to look forward to a weekend. I look forward to it all the time. But it's not about just protecting my lifestyle that I get to the weekend, where, you know, what, what the author here, Tony Reinke, is saying, it's not like work, 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 
during the week so I can be uh, rest, 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 rest on the weekend. And I want to say rest, rest, rest in a different way. It's not about work, work, work in the week so I can be more like me, 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 me on the weekend. It's protecting me. It's very self-centered. It's very self-focused. And it's all about protecting my plans, my way, my lifestyle. And I tell you guys, it doesn't play out well in, in church life, in ministry. To live a life that way, it's, there, there's never a time for a commitment. There's never a time for, for, for uh, you know, regular service opportunities. It's always this, I, I preserve my comfort time. I'm crazy busy, but now I deserve all this. And I, 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 I take all this in, and I can't do what needs to be done, what's more important, what's better, okay? So comfort can't be king. It's the Lord's will. It's God's will. It's what you need to be doing in your life that needs to be, take preeminence, all right? And then finally, four lessons that the ants teach the sluggard is do purposeful work with the future in view. We work, right, not just for the present, which is important, but also for the future. Work on purposeful activities and do them in such a way with the future in view. The lazy are short-sighted. They don't see beyond the day. We have to look ahead. And what, what consistent work ethic will produce in time? A career over the span of years, over the span of time. Let's wrap up uh, our lesson here with this. Romans chapter 12. Do not be slothful in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What do you do with all this stuff we just talked about? The sins of the sloth, the duties of the ant. Passages like this that say, wow, you know, I, in my church life I can be just so apathetic. I can be so lethargic. I can just be kind of one that just kind of checks in, checks out, and just, I, I just don't seem to have that spark. And really what we need to do is go back to what really Clay's been teaching us all along in Ephesians. I need to identify my sin, and I need to turn from it. I need to put on and put off, right? If I've, if I've identified a lazy attitude, the scriptures have sought something in my life and your life today, and, and you see that today, what do you do? You look at it and say, it is sin. It's wrong. I put this off. I confess this. I don't just accept it. This is just me. I confess it, and he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive you of that sin. And then what do you do? You just don't, you put, you put on, you put off, and then you put on, you put something in its place. I want the right kind of work ethic. I want, I want to look to others that can help me in that work ethic. I want to do the things we talked about today, watching the end, watching others, and replace that, that sin of sloth, with a righteous work ethic, right? May God help us do that as we think about these uh, principles today. They're not easy ones. They're important ones. And may God help you as you, as you seek to do that, okay? I'm going to close in prayer.